Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. So I get the the honour and the privilege tonight of being able to continue our series called This Is More. Um, And tonight I want to talk about how there is more to God. You know, it's so easy in our lives to box God and to put him into this nice, neat little package and say that this is who God is, this is what he does. He doesn't operate outside of this box that I've put him in. This, This is him. It's so easy to do that in our lives. And tonight I want to talk a bit about that and how there is so much more to God than what we can even imagine, what we can perceive, more than we've experienced before. God is so much bigger than all of it. So I'm just going to pray really quickly and then we're going to get into it. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are here, God, that you are present. Father, thank you that this is your word and not mine, God. Have your way. Speak through me, Lord. Let what you want the people to hear, God, come out, Lord. Let your heart come out, Lord. Let this message just be worship to you, Father God. We just thank you that you are here. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So um, at the end of last year and Going into the start of this year, there's this family at Bethel Church in America that lost um, their young daughter. And so you probably might have heard about it um, because the family got, uh, put it on social media and got everyone to pray and believe that this young girl would, would be resurrected, that like, they had this hope, believing that God could do it. And, and we believe that he can. And so what Bethel did is they, they had prayer meetings, overnight prayer meetings, and special services, praying, interceding, believing that this young girl would, would be resurrected. But it didn't happen. And see, it's those sorts of times, those sorts of moments that really, like, attacks our faith, that really, like, digs in deep and makes you think, like, you know those things that people say when they try to attack what you believe? They're like, if God's really real, then why does this happen? If God really cares so much, why is there so much pain and suffering? What is going on? And it's those sorts of moments that that sort of make us feel that as well sometimes. I don't know about you, but I know I've been there thinking, like, God, where are you in this time? If you really care, why, why are you not intervening? But see, the issue is in those times we're seeing God through a really narrow, limited perspective, We're seeing him through the lens of our pain, our hurt, and everything that's going on in our lives in that time. So sometimes we need to take a bit of a step back and see the bigger picture of what God's doing. I was on the phone um, to my friend who goes to school at Bethel. She goes to the Bethel Bible College, um, BSSM. And she was telling me a bit about what happened over those few weeks that they were believing for this girl to come back to life. So she knew the family. She was attending every one of the prayer meetings, the overnight meetings. And what looked like God not showing up from the outside, she was telling me that inside God was doing some amazing things in those meetings. People were having visions. People were encountering God. People that hadn't been to church in in a very long time came to those meetings and stayed because of it. God was doing amazing things in that time. She said that, that her own perspective of God, her understanding of who God was changed so much in that time. She said the biggest factor of that was how the family responded when it was time to finish up the prayer meetings and it, when it looked like there was no more hope. She said that this girl, Olive, her mother, um, her mother's name is Callie. 
uh, that Kelly started worshipping, at the point where they were, they were giving up, they said, we don't think it's going to happen. She kept worshipping. Not in, in some desperate plea to like, make God do what she wanted, but just worshipping, knowing that God's still on the throne. Worshipping because God still showed up in such an amazing way. Even though it wasn't the way they were, they were hoping for or asking for, God still showed up in such a tangible, powerful way. And that's why she worshipped. And my friend said that that changed her whole perspective. She said that that week made her feel like for the first time she really, really knows who God is. And it was when she said that that it really hit me. It really struck me. Because I'd heard her say something similar before, saying, for the first time, I really know him. And I know that she'll say it again, but I don't think that that's her saying it now is, is wrong or anything like that. I completely believe that she, think, she feels for the first time she fully knows him. And that's the beauty of our infinite, wide, unknowable God, but yet knowable, is that we can know him. We can hunger after him. We can know more of him. And it feels like as we have that revelation, everything we knew before, it wasn't wrong, but there's so much more. We find out as God moves more in our lives that what we knew before was so small, but now there's more. He's bigger than that, and he's bigger than that, and he's bigger than that. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for for three minutes or you've been a Christian for 70 years. There is so much more of God that you can know. There's so much more of himself that he wants to reveal to you. There's so much more of his love that he has, more purpose, more future, more hope for you. Because if God is infinite, then there's so much more that we can know of him. So that's the title of my message tonight. There is more to God. And that's also going to be my first point. In Revelation 1.8, it says that God, God says that he is the beginning and the end. He says the Alpha and Omega. He says he was, he is, and he is to come. That's infinite. That's from the beginning to the very end. God encapsulates all of it. God's not just here in this moment. He's not just back in the Old Testament. He's not just going to come back in the future. He exists through it all, in every circumstance, every situation, every time. It doesn't matter if you feel so distant from God, if you wonder where he possibly could be in this situation or tragedy or, or fear in your life. He says he was, he is, and he will be. He's constantly in that situation, in whatever you're facing. He's infinite through it all. Every single day with God is an opportunity to know him more and more. And I find that so exciting. You know, I've heard some people say that, like, church is boring or God's boring. And I've even sometimes in my, myself fallen into this trap of thinking, like, it's just the same thing over and over again. Falling into, like, this, this thought of it's just repetitive and religious. And I found myself falling into that sort of mindset about halfway through last year. Because the time I was spending with God, I wasn't spending with him to know him more. I wasn't spending that time with him to, like, out of intimacy or out of love for him. I was spending that time with him because I have to. Because I'm just going through the motions. This is what I do. I'm a Christian. I spend time with him. I pray. I do these things. But in that, I started to grow really apathetic because I wasn't experiencing what God wants me to experience. I wasn't experiencing the fullness of who he is. I was experiencing the monotony of just doing the same thing over and over again. And there's a big difference. 
And so I, was, I found myself starting to put God in this box by accident and not even like realizing that I was doing it. But I was boxing him, saying, oh, he, he's not exciting. I'm not gonna, he's not going to do anything in my life today. I have to go and go to a conference or, or do this thing so that he'll show up in some mighty, amazing, crazy way. I have to wait till I'm at youth on Friday night and someone prays for me. Or I have to wait until I'm preaching and I get to pray for someone else. When really, what he wanted from me was to get into his presence every day. Because he wants to build us up. He wants us to encounter him. And so probably two weeks or so into this sort of mindset, I was scrolling through YouTube, just bored and apathetic, trying to find something to watch. And this video popped up um, called The Rush. Um, It was from this band that I really liked, so I thought I'll I'll listen to The Rush and see what it's about. Now, The Rush is this nine-minute song. Well, it's actually three songs that flow on from one another. The first song is called um, Breathing Infinity. And there's one line in it that, that really, really hit me. And I thought, okay, maybe God's trying to speak to me through this. It says, remember what it felt like to believe. Remember running wild and living free. Remember when the magic was a mystery. Now all the fuss is just faith without the rush. And see, this was really where I was. Is I was just going through the motions. It was just the fuss. It was just the fuss of what I know I should be doing. It was just the fuss of, of going through the motions when God wanted me to experience the rush. He wanted me to experience the fullness of his presence. And so the first song is, is really like upbeat and it sort of hooks you in. And then the second song in the rush drops down and it gets really serious. And this is when, I'm like, when I thought, okay, God really is speaking to me through the song. It says, it's the very first line of the second song, waking up to face the haze of apathy. That's like the words I was using at the time to describe how I was feeling. Waking up to face the haze of apathy. It goes on and it says, show me every grace I lost the fight to see. Remedy the peace of faith that broke in me. Take away the weight and flip the gravity. And so the song starts to, to, the tempo goes up. It starts to get more upbeat and it starts to talk about coming from this place of, of apathy apathy, being apathetic towards God, not wanting to be in it, and then crying out to him, God, something's broken in me. I need you to fix it. God, I know I'm not functioning the way I should be. I know I'm seeing things through the wrong perspective. I need you to flip the gravity. I need you to help me see you how you've called me to see you. And then it goes on to say, so the song, this song is called Jumping from Jaded Heights. It says, Jumping from Jaded Heights, I see a rainbow off in the distant sky. You set a table. I need to taste again. Savor and tremble. And when I first heard those words, oh, I, was, I was sitting with Noreen at the time, and I don't know if she saw, but I started to cry when I first heard these words. Because it was like God was calling me back to, to enjoying his presence, calling me back to intimacy with him and not just going through the motions. He was calling me back to knowing him deeply. He said he sets a table, and he wanted me to eat from it. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When was the last time you tasted of God? When was the last time that you took the time to taste and see what he has for you? When was the last time you took the the time to, to get into his presence and ask him, Lord, what's next? What have you got for my life? What do you want from me? What can I do for you? When was the last time we just got in his presence to just sit and enjoy him? Sometimes it's so easy to go in with our agenda. God, I pray that you do this. I pray that you do that. I want a job. I want a car. I want, I want this, this, that, and the other thing. 
And even stuff that is like righteous to pray for, we might go in saying, God, use me. God, I want to see that person saved. And that stuff's all well and good, but if we never go in just to be with him, if we never go in just to be with him, it's like we're, we're expecting something from him but don't want the relationship. See, that brings me to my second point. If God's infinite, then there's no room for anything else. See, something that's infinite must take up a lot of space. That's because it's infinite. Sometimes I feel like um, the clothes I own are infinite. I have three, three wardrobes. Do I have three wardrobes, Mum? Maybe four. And still the clothes aren't in there. They're all over my floor. Um, the, clo- the clothes I own are infinite. And sometimes I try to squeeze it all in, but there's no room for more. Whenever I go on holidays, I own a lot of shoes as well. Whenever I go on holidays, I try and put four or five pairs of shoes in my bag, and then there's no room for anything else. Because that's something that I've chosen that I want to have with me. That's something that I've decided I'm taking with me everywhere I go whenever I go on holidays. And see, we need to decide that with God. See, I sacrifice space in my suitcase for my shoes. I need to sacrifice space in my life for God. You know, when, when we, are, we need to be immersed in who God is. We need to have everything we are seeking him and putting him first, ready to put everything else aside to have space for him in our lives. Because if we can chase anything else, we can chase satisfaction in people, in clothes, in money, in things, and it will never come. Because we are made, we're created to be satisfied with only God. Not even with, we can't even find our satisfaction just in serving him if we're doing that apart from knowing him. You can't find your satisfaction just preaching on stage, just stacking chairs, just running a program. We need to find our satisfaction in knowing him, being with him, seeking him every single day. We need to make the space for him, not just for the things that, that have his name on it. See, he is worth everything we can give up. In Matthew 13, to 45, Jesus shares these two parables. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had bought. Uh, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. And the merchant that's, I forgot to copy paste the rest of that verse, but the merchant that finds the, the pearl sells everything he has to purchase it. It's because these things are so valuable to these people that they're willing to pay whatever it takes to get it. And we need to have that view of God. We need to see God that way as that valuable that I'm going to give up everything I have to get it. I need to be willing to give up, give up the, my pride. I need to be willing to give up having control over things. I need to be willing to give up my money, my time, my energy, my effort to see what God has for me come to pass, just to spend time with him, just to know him more and more every single day. God is worth every price that we can pay. I was writing a message for youth a while ago, and I spent like the whole week trying to figure out what am I even going to talk about, because I had the start of my message, but for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what the, the rest of my message was going to be. I spent ages just going through different ideas, throwing stuff at the wall, and nothing stuck. And I felt God say to me that I just need to get up there, relinquish my control, forget about my plan, and let him have his way. So I had the start of my message, and God told me, just trust me. Get up there. 
I had to pay my, my control because I get so nervous if God asks me to do something and I have no idea how it's going to turn out, no idea what I'm going to say. I'm the sort of person and I'll meticulously plan the exact words I'm going to say before I go. If God tells me to pray for someone, I'm waiting four or five minutes to try and think of the words I'm going to use so I don't come across as a weirdo. So when God tells me that he's giving me the start of my message and I'm, he's going to give me the rest when I get up there, I was terrified because I have to give up my control to be able to see him have his way. I had to decide that he was worth that. So I got up on, on stage at youth. And before that, that day, there were a couple of things that happened um, that made me sort of like have peace in the fact that God was going to show up that night, that he was going to have his way. There was like three or four coincidences, like God coincidences, that sort of gave me peace about what was going to happen. So I got up and I started my message and then I felt God speak to me saying, this person has this health issue. Um, so I called that out. I said, if anyone is struggling with, I think it was um, a sore right knee at first. I asked, does anyone have a sore right knee? Two people came up. They both got healed. I felt God say um, that someone here has insomnia. Two people come up. I'm not sure if they got healed, but we prayed for them. And then I felt God say someone has back pain. Two people came up. And one of them got healed of back pain there on the spot. The other hasn't yet, but we're believing for it. It's going to happen. Um, but the guy who got healed of back pain then, it was, really, it was really awesome. He got up, and he couldn't really move. It was a sports injury, and we prayed for him. Um, and at first, we prayed, and the pain got worse. And so we prayed again. I got everyone in the room to pray with me. And he turned around to the person that was standing behind him to catch because he thought they put an ice pack on his back because his back got really cold, and then all the pain disappeared. I told him, bend down and try and touch your toes. He's like, I've never been able to touch my toes in my life. I'm not trying it. I said, just, just go for it. So he bends down and sure enough can touch his toes straight away. God completely healed him. But we wouldn't have gotten to that point if I didn't relinquish my control and pay that price to see God show up, to see God move, to have his way. See, God is worth everything that we can give up for him. We're called to run the race and focus on the finish line. See, that's... When we're running our race, we can't afford to look other directions. We can't afford to even focus on our feet and what our feet are doing. In the same way, when we're chasing God, we can't afford to look at how other people are doing it or what's going on over here in, in the world, what our old friends are doing. We can't even afford to, to look at, am I serving well enough? Do these people like me in church? Like, we can't even afford to look at that sort of stuff. We need to focus on Him, loving Him, seeking Him. I had a friend of mine tell me a while ago, a couple of years ago, and it changed, um, what he told me changed sort of the way I had been praying. He said to me that he got to a point where he felt like, because the way he had been praying, he'd been praying just for other people all the time, only praying, God, do this in their lives, do this in, my, in their life. He said he felt that for that season, he wasn't supposed to pray for anyone else. He was supposed to pray for him, let God do a work in his life because he's going to be most effective in the lives of the other people when he lets God move in his heart. Because our job is to not focus on, on us by our own strength, our flesh getting the job done. Our job is to focus on him and allow God to have his way in us, have his way through us, use us. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That brings me to my third point. That's that God isn't a means to an end. He is the end. God's the goal. 
Like I said before, it's so easy to go in praying, believing for God for stuff, and doing doing it righteously, saying, God, I want you to show up. I want you to have your way in this place, and that stuff is great. But if that's the only reason we're praying, we're missing the point. If we're not praying to also be able to know him and encounter him, that's what it's about. He is the end. That's what we want. See, if I, if I worship just because I like that song, just because I like singing, if I'm not worshiping because he's worthy, then I'm missing the point. If I come to church just to hear a motivating, a motivating speech and not because God is in the house and I want to worship him, then I'm missing the point. We can't afford to chase a platform or a healing or that one person we want to evangelize over chasing God himself. If we're putting the work over knowing him, we're missing the point. The point is knowing him. The work flows out of that. The point is understanding who he is, knowing him intimately, spending time with him. And then the rest will come. He's all that can satisfy. He's all we need. I heard this story from this, this preacher. Um, I was watching a video, and this preacher was on a panel with his wife, and they were talking about their story and how they'd met and stuff that had happened in their lives. And so these guys got married at a really young age and then split up. And they were both in church at the time, but when they split up, um, the girl, she stopped going to church. She got offended at the church and mad at God and all that sort of thing. And I think they spent like a year split up. Um, because it takes like a year or something for divorces to, like, you, you have to be split for a year to divorce or something like that. Um, and so they were split up. They were trying to figure out how they're going to divorce and all this sort of thing. And then God speaks to the guy to go and see the girl at her new partner's house and bring her to church. And so he drives over to, to her house and tells her, you need to come to church with me. You need to come and, and come to church. I believe that God's telling me we need to give this another go. And so she decides, may as well go to church. We'll find out. We'll see what happens from there. And so she goes to church, and she feels God just slightly tell her, like this little inkling, saying, yep, um, like go back and be with him. Go back and give it another try. And so they go back to their house afterwards. Um, and I think she goes back first um, and has to go and pick him up later. And she's waiting outside, and she encounters God there in the car. And God just starts to do something in her heart. She just starts to break down. And God starts to work on her heart. For the next week, they got home, and he didn't see her because all she did when she was at home, she locked herself in the room and she spent time with God, just praying for days and days and days as God started to work on her heart, as God started to fix the brokenness in her. She didn't want to do anything. She lost her job because she wouldn't get up to go to work because she just wanted to spend that time with God. I'm not saying go and lose your job, but if God's moving in your life that much, then, you know, he'll make a way. Um, but so she just starts to break down, spending a week straight in God's presence, him working on her heart, until finally this guy's had enough of it. He hasn't seen his wife since they've been living together. Um, she asked him to go get him a Vegemite sandwich out of the kitchen. An hour passes, and he goes into the kitchen to try and see what's going on, and she's on the floor just weeping in the presence of God. And at that point, he broke down too. He started weeping in the presence of God. For the first time through, through that week, he started to feel God's presence again. And they were both, they were reconciled to each other. They were reconciled to God. And 
now they're, they're both traveling and preaching. Um, they run a, an evangelistic outreach ministry in Africa because they were willing to get in God's presence. They spent that time with him. That's all that mattered. If I can get the band up, that'd be awesome. You might be believing for some things in your life. You might need healing. You might need breakthrough in another area. You might be having problems in a relationship or, or you might be struggling with fear or whatever it is in your life. I'm believing that, believing that God wants to come and meet you where you're at, that God wants to have his way in your life. But I encourage you, seek him for him. Get in the presence of God just for the sake of being in the presence of God. Just worship him because he's worthy. And I believe as we start to do that, as we start to seek him with everything we have, then he'll come and meet us where we're at. When we're willing to, to let it all go and give God all the glory, that's when he starts to show up. Just like with um, the people in Bethel, with Callie and her family. By the end of that, people were getting saved and set free in different capacities because she was just willing to worship despite the tragedy, despite what had happened. When they'd given up hope, when the funeral was the next day, She's still worshiping because God is still worthy. And people are getting set free and changed all around her because they're wanting to just get in the presence of God. God isn't the means to an end. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. But he also wants you to come to him just because he's worthy. He just wants to spend time with you. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Center's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.